It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF. And it's Thursday, which not only means it's NFL game day, but it also means that, as always, I'm joined by the great Kate Majuk. Kate, you ready for week two? Oh, I am so, so ready. Uh, You know, I'm hoping that um, we get injury mode turned off this week and that we have a relatively clean slate because... I'm going to be honest, uh, week one kind of upended plenty of my dynasty or uh, dynasty rosters, redraft roster. Like it, it doesn't matter what kind of fantasy league you're playing in. Uh, week one probably kicked you in the booty just a little bit, but that's why we're here to come back, regroup and get you on track for week two. Yeah, man. We, week two or week one is always like a nice um, like reminder of, you know, a, a good like reality check right after we're feeling pretty we good after our drafts. Yeah. And then it week one comes around and like you said, gives us a nice swift kick in the behind, um, throws a f- few goose eggs into our lineup like Drake London and company. Um, and yeah, hopefully uh, week two, we can kind of regroup here and uh, put things together a little bit more consistently. But yeah, I'm excited. I love that we actually have like 2023 data to pour through now, even though some of the games probably aren't the best samples to trust for different reasons. Um, looking at you, New York Giants, but still really nice to have football back and put this data to work for us so that we can set our lineups for week two, stack up some fantasy W's um, and we're we're going to get into it here. We're going to go game by game in just a minute. Uh, but first, I do want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, let's start things off with a kind of a quick hitter for the Thursday night football game, Minnesota Vikings, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Kate, week one wasn't an ideal start for the Eagles fantasy fantasy options, specifically 
Jalen Hurts, who finished as like QB 18 for the week, Dallas Goddard, who put up a nothing burger. Um, we have to expect at least somewhat of a bounce back in in week two here, right? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. You know, we didn't get Jalen Hurts in the preseason. I think this is kind of the the like tradition we're we're seeming to see here where these quarterbacks that didn't get any reps in the preseason kind of start out a little bit slower. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, this is going to be an interesting matchup. Kenneth Gainwell ruled out after kind of dominating that entire backfield here in week one. So going to be interesting to see what this pecking order looks like. I think we have to assume that Rashad Penny will be active. So this might be his, uh, his time to shine and could be an interesting uh, option, especially in DFS, but it, you know, Rashad Penny, we know when he's touched the ball, he's looked uh, pretty darn efficient. Uh, would not be surprised at all if he finishes in RB2 territory, if they get him some gosh darn carries here <laughs> on Thursday Night Football. That's the hope, right? That he could potentially win this job back because, yeah, we we want to see Rashad Penny with a bigger workload, obviously, than, you know, he didn't play last week, but we want to see him kind of be at least that that lead um, running back as far as carries goes because we know how efficient he could be with those touches. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. I, I know, you know, DeAndre Swift is going to be a little bit more involved, I, I would think, this week as well um, with Kenneth Gainwell out. We'll see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to kind of trust the, the Eagles' backfield right now. So I, I, I don't know that I'm starting them right away this week, but I definitely do want to see – you know what the usage looks like because there 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 is still a few like deeper leagues where I have to start DeAndre Swift, but um not excited about it, that's for sure. Um but somebody that I Dallas am I'm also, also? Huh? yeah so we, that that was think? yeah literally the one I was gonna say I'm I'm still starting Goddard this week. I mean we look we kind of mentioned it last week. We said that that New England game was going to be a tougher matchup for Goddard uh, in week one against Belichick's defense facing guys like Kyle Duggar, Marcus Jones out of the slot. So it, it definitely turned out worse than than I imagined. I didn't think it would be that bad where he'd get nothing. But, you know, at least this week, it, it's a bit better of a matchup on paper for Goddard against the Vikings linebackers and, and secondary. So I, I'm still trusting him. I, I, I think you have to. I know the 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 target rate was, was not good. Um, 2.6% of receiving snaps. He was, he was targeting on that is not good, but the good news is he did uh, play 93.4% of Mm -hmm. offensive snaps ranked sixth among tight ends with 39 routes run. Like this wasn't a situation where Dallas Goddard was like being outplayed or out, out utilized by another tight end on the team. They just kind of moved away from him in this game. And I, I think that's totally fine. I think, um, you know, this is, uh, you know, you, you have to, you know, I, I think game plan for a Bill Belichick defense and the way they game plan, uh, you know, was to to lean more on these wide receivers, which it, it worked. They got the win, even if it wasn't as dominating uh, a win as we've been used to seeing uh, over the past season. But mm-hmm. Dallas Goddard, I think all of the, you know, the snap count usage, like uh, all of that is there and there's no other red flags to me that say this is going to be a long-term concern. We've seen, uh, you know, a 21% target share from him, uh, from Jalen hurts to Dallas Goddard since this, this duo connected, um, you know, back when, when Jalen hurts first took over the job, I don't think that's suddenly going to disappear, uh, and whittle away to absolutely nothing. I'm fine going back to the well on Dallas Goddard. 
Yeah, definitely. And like you said, nothing's really changed with this offense. It just happened to be, you know, a down week um, because of the defense that they faced and and the way that the game plan ended up working out. But I'm absolutely fine starting him uh, again this week and obviously expecting better than a zero. If it's another zero, I start to get a little bit concerned. But like you said, there's enough history there with Goddard in this offense to still trust him kind of going forward. But um, on the Minnesota side of things, how are you feeling about this Vikings offense? I know they did a pretty good job pass blocking against the Bucks last week, but facing a tougher defensive line in, in the Philadelphia Eagles this week. So how are you feeling about your Vikings options in, in week two? You don't love it, but I still think there's, there's, you know, so much volume possibly to be had here, especially if this does end up being a high scoring matchup. Um, you know, the Minnesota Vikings, they struggled last week, like despite the fact that, um, you know, like they, they had all these weapons, they did struggle. They lost to the bucks. Um, you know, we, we didn't get exactly what we probably pictured. Um, I, I think Justin Jefferson, like the look on his face at the end of that game said everything you needed to know about how this game went for the Vikings. I expect them to to bounce back again, get getting in, you know, midseason form quicker rather than later. Um, and I, I don't think that this Vikings defense has done enough to, uh, you know, keep them competitive uh, necessarily. Like, I think this is going to be an offense that is going to, to have the burners on at all times, uh, much like we saw to close out last season, like, uh, this offense needed to play catch up. There was, there was some garbage time involved, just trying to play catch up for some of those lapses in the defense. And I think that's going to continue, uh, you know, don't love the, the defensive line matchup, especially, but I, I still think like you, you start, you start your players. I, the one player I'm kind of like on the fence about, um, you know, like Alexander Madison, you love the workload, obviously Justin Jefferson, you're starting, what do we think about Jordan Addison? Caught a touchdown in his debut. Looked pretty solid. Um, you know, any any questions? Like, obviously, TJ Hawkinson is going to be quote unquote the wide receiver too for this team. How how is your comfort level with Jordan Addison heading into Week Two? Yeah, week two, I, I obviously I want to see the the snaps go up for him. I know still playing behind KJ Osborne uh, in the wide receiver group, but I, I think there's potential that he just keeps getting more opportunities as the weeks go on, especially after showing what he can do last week. And I don't mind like the matchup against the Eagles secondary just because they're kind of banged up a little bit too. Like that that entire coverage unit is is kind of depleted at this point. I know the defensive line still one of the best in the league, but then if Kirk is able to get time to to get the ball off there's no james bradbury no reed blankenship who's played really well for them at safety uh no no kobe dean who's their top linebacker so there's potential there for this offense um at least the passing offense to kind of get going and, and if addison sees a few more snaps i think there's potential that that kirk continues to go to him especially after coming up with the big touchdown last week as well so i'm i'm excited about addison but like kind of more cautiously optimistic, I guess, um, just because we know that those snaps aren't fully there yet. Yeah, I, I think that's very much fair. Um, you know, obviously, TJ Hawkinson, you're lighting up on yeah. fire. Um, and, and there's not, I, I think, a lot of question. I think you kind of know what this Vikings offense is right now. And I think um, it's going to be fairly predictable for the time being in terms of like projecting that overall usage. And I think that fantasy managers should probably feel 
uh, feel some comfort in that, honestly, because this is probably one of like the only offenses where we can really say, you know, I, I feel like I kind of know what this is weekend yeah. and week out, at least for the time being. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you a hundred percent. So looking forward to that game tonight. We know Thursday night games can tend to be a little bit weird sometimes. So we'll see we'll, hopefully um, we get like a nice high powered shootout because there's plenty of fantasy weapons in this game, but um, we'll see what happens tonight. And, and for most people listening to this, we'll probably have already seen it. So let's move on to the Sunday slate here and talk about the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals. So Bengals, kind of another offense that let us down last week. Are you concerned about the Cincinnati offense after uh, that disappointing week one? I'm not, generally speaking. I mean, we saw this last year. Uh, same same offense, um, same disappointing, uh, you know, performance coming out of, out of the gate yeah. in week one. Joe Burrow missed, you know, training camp, missed the preseason. Um you know, I, I think generally speaking, like it doesn't matter how many millions of dollars you have in your pocket. Uh, it's going to take a second to get back into game game speed and and get back into a rhythm with these receivers. Um, you know, T Higgins going back to the well there had eight targets, didn't catch a single one of them, uh, found him on some some missing persons flyers uh, floating around my city uh, on on Monday morning. But, you know, this is just uh, one of five games in his entire career that he's gone catchless all of those previous instances where he went without a catch in a game uh, he had either zero or one target um Mm -hmm. so like this was a massive massive outlier in terms of of higgins and that inability to connect with joe burrow but i i think expecting them to kind of grease the wheels and honestly same thing on the the baltimore raven side of the ball like i i think we we you know didn't necessarily see them uh, in mid-season form, I, you know, I think this is still an offense. It's kind of finding its its rhythm, finding its identity. Didn't have Mark Andrews here. Uh, hopefully he'll be back in week two, if not week three. Um, but kind of a, a similar situation for both of these teams, which is why I generally, um, you know, like you're you're starting your studs here, but not overly bullish on, on any of these fantasy assets, especially in like a, a DFS format. I'm not sure this is going to be like a, a high scoring shootout here. Mm-hmm. Like we're hoping our Thursday night football matchup will be. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And and look, I'm not concerned about the Bengals offense either. I, I'm with you 100% there. And and we talked about it in the week one preview, right? We said that, you know, the, the Browns defensive line and, and their defense was legit. And we talked about Burroughs history against the Browns and, um, and, and just kind of being you know, pessimistic about what his potential could be in week one. And I kind of feel a little bit the same going into week two here against the Ravens. I, I, again, it's hard to sit Jamar Chase and T Higgins, um, even Joe Burrow, but again, it's tempering expectations here because this Ravens defense is very good. Um, as far as the Ravens offense goes, I, you know, I thought we were going to see them be a little bit more pass heavy uh, in 2023. So it's only been one week, but so far they were still a top 10 team in run rate. So uh, not the biggest shift that we expected to see. Um, But I do wonder if Mark Andrews potentially coming back this week and with JK Dobbins now out for the year as well, if we see more of that shift here in week two, Um, they did deploy a higher rate of 11 personnel in week one um, than we've ever seen from them in the past. But again, with Mark Andrews in the lineup, we'll get a better picture of that as well as I'd, ima- I'd imagine but 
I think the big thing for me is Zay Flowers, right? I mean, he looked yes. like a, a legitimate weapon on, on in week one. He led the team in targets with 10. 60% of them came on third down. So those six targets led the entire league in week one on third down. Um, very encouraging, I think, that they they went to him so often and in crucial situations, manufactured a bunch of touches for him to get the ball in his hand as well. So just a great start. Um, and again, we'll see if that usage is as strong with Mark Andrews back in the lineup. But I, I love the start for Zay Flowers. Are, are you trusting him if Mark Andrews is back in the lineup this week? I'm less bullish if Mark Andrews is back in the lineup. If he's not, I'm going to light Zay Flowers up with full confidence. But I kind of want to see what the personnel usage mm-hmm. actually looks like with Mark Andrews. Like we might see uh, some different usage in terms of their overall personnel when you've got Mark Andrews in that mix. He's kind of a... It, for me, he's one of these players that I, I think is is you know monumental enough that uh, he kind of changes your your overall approach and game plan. So if he's if he's there, I'm not looking to necessarily start Zay Flowers. I don't think it's like the worst matchup in the world, but um, you know I, I prefer just to kind of wait out, see that usage. But you've got to love what you saw: four forced missed tackles after receptions. Like this dude looked like a running back after the catch with the way that he was manipulating defenders and, and running up the field, like for a smaller guy, he just looked like he had that oomph about him past the eye test by a mile. And and you love to see that, but you know, I, I think probably the, the bigger question is, do we have faith in the run game for the Baltimore Ravens with JK Dobbins out? Like, Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Gus Edwards, who this team knows very well, has gone back to time and time again when we have seen similar injuries for J.K. Dobbins? Um, Or is it just like it it, could this actually be the Justice Hill breakout saw two carries inside the five, which you love to see. Those are very valuable carries for fantasy football saw, you know, targets like it feels like you know, maybe Justice Hill actually is going to get the more valuable touches here for fantasy, even if Gus Edwards is sort of their their primary back on on first and second down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we, we talked about this in the, I guess it was in the recap show or, or on the waiver wire episode. I can't remember with Nate, but talking about which one to kind of lean towards. And and I tended to lean towards Justice Hill a little bit as well because of those goal line touches, like you said, and potential maybe for more work in, in the passing game, even though there's not like a ton of opportunity for a running back in the Baltimore offense there. It's still a little bit more encouraging, a little bit more uh, of a of weight towards the higher value um, opportunities for Justice Hill, I think, that more so than, than Gus Edwards. So I do want to see it. I, I'm not really trusting anybody against... Um, uh, against this defensive line here or again yeah um yeah against the Bengals I, the Bengals are still a good defense I mean I just I don't know I, I want to see this one a little bit more because when we when Dobbins went down last game it was a, basically an even split but I'm with you if I had to pick one it's going to be Justice Hill yeah I I think I'm probably just kind of trying to avoid Ravens and Bengals if I can Mm -hmm. like I obviously you're gonna have a hard time sitting T Higgins Jamar Chase Mm -hmm. but I do think that again I'm I'm not expecting this to be a a big shootout I'm expecting this to be a nitty-gritty AFC North matchup which generally isn't always uh you know a high-flying game for fantasy 
Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be uh, one of two nitty gritty uh, AFC North matchups this week. Um, yes. so we'll, we'll talk about that one uh, in a little bit. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I'm trying to avoid these guys as well um, if I can. But let's go on to the Los Angeles Chargers at the Tennessee Titans. Austin Eckler is questionable with an ankle injury. Um, Joshua Kelly is kind of the clear next man up. And this could be a really nice matchup to get Joshua Kelly into lineups, even if Eckler does play, because we saw those kind of splits last week. They were pretty even in terms of carries, um, but also the Chargers offensive line are to tend a top 10 run blocking grade in week one. They tied for second most yards generated before contact per attempt. Um, Titans D-line ranked just 24th in run defense grade. So Kelly, I think, could be interesting if if Eckler's out or if he's limited with, with a potential ankle injury here. He was only one of two running backs last week who actually carried the ball at least 10 times that didn't have a single stuffed run. Um, so that was a loss or no gain. So as somebody that was, you know, a pretty hot waiver ad this week, um, I think there's potential here for Kelly to make it into a, a number of starting lineups um, against Tennessee. What do you think? I think that like I'm not as as bullish here on Kelly, you know, even if he does get this this volume that you're projecting. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people just spent up a lot of fab uh, on Kelly. Uh, you know, I I think he's a fine volume play if Austin Eckler's out. But even even for the you know lack of um, you know prowess in terms of you know run blocking efficiency, like. Or, or run defense efficiency like this Tennessee Titans defense has generally been mm-hmm. an inefficient matchup for opposing running backs dating back to last season, um, allowing just the second uh, fewest fantasy points per game. The only rushing defense that has allowed fewer is the San Francisco 49ers defense, uh, which we know is downright suffocating, av- uh, allowing an average of just 3.34 yards per rush attempt to opposing running backs. Um, you know, there's just not been a ton of productivity there and I'm not, I'm not willing to necessarily go to the well there unless I have to, um, or unless, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to find some more favorable matchups. Cause it like, mm-hmm. it, it's so interesting. Cause it's one of those situations that it, you know, you feel like the Titans should be giving up more than they are but they haven't been. And yeah, <laughs> I don't, tr- I don't trust this, this defense. Um, you know, I, I think they're, they, they continue to surprise me. I feel like week after week, even, even when that the numbers don't necessarily make sense, mm-hmm. uh, they, they continue to stifle opposing running backs for fantasy. And I, maybe I've been burned one too many times, John, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> Who knows, right? I mean, the Mike Rabel thing, the factor there with him kind of get, running that defense has been has been consistent, right? Like you're right, they have been very good. Um, I'm I'm just kind of hopeful. Like I I think the usage was there for Kelly. I thought the Chargers offensive line did a better job than than what I expected in week one. So I guess more more optimistic, but I'm I'm with you. It, it's it's like a borderline play at best. You're not starting him over any like clear starters, obviously. He's more of like in the flex kind of um streamer territory more than anything. But um yeah, other than that, I mean, the Chargers offense is another one. We pretty much know what it is once uh, outside of the running back situation right now. But um for the Titans side, Anything that you want to see in this game? Because there was some interesting usage, at least in the backfield for Tennessee last week. 
yeah, we had uh, rookie Tajay Spears uh, out snap. Derrick Henry didn't get the touches. So, um, you know, not necessarily like looking to start Tajay Spears, but I do think that the the presence of him on the field uh, is pretty darn interesting. Uh, like, again, wasn't really getting touches, you know, uh, very significantly when he was on the field, but that usage and his sheer presence on the field is something I think we need to continue to monitor week after week, because if he does start it, uh, you know, if that touch total does start to increase uh, and, and kind of reflect his presence on the field a bit more, um, you might be looking at an offense that, you know, has room for both Tajay Spears and Derrick Henry. And I I don't know what that looks like, but I, I think, you know, obviously they don't really have, a solidified answer at quarterback right now. So I think, yeah, if, if they have two running backs that they can have as a one, two punch, why not lean into that while you figure out what the heck you're going to do with the passing game. And Tajay Spears, like he, he just, he looks good, man. He Mm -hmm. looks like the, the eye test he's passing it. And I, that's, that's all you can ask for him to do in the, the limited opportunity he's been seeing so far. Yeah, I'm with you. I like Tajay Spears. Um, it was an exciting prospect kind of coming out and it, it's nice to see him get some more opportunity here. But yeah, not somebody that I'm starting. I, I still happily starting Derrick Henry just because once he does get those touches, we know uh, how dominant he is with them. Um, but yeah, if that opportunity is starting to decrease a little bit, you have to move him at least down the rankings some here with Tajay Spears factored in. Um, but yeah, th- this is still going to be a pretty run heavy offense, I would think, because um, Tannehill did not look good last week. I'm just hoping that he can get the ball in the hands of Chico Conquo because, man, I- I'm still having visions of him missing him down the sideline on that that deep throw. It was just it's too upsetting. So I, I need to see some um, some positive regression there for Chico Conquo and his opportunity, because. Um, yeah, I, I got too much Oconquo shares to to let this happen um, with, with Tannehill at under center here. It's, it's too upsetting. I think that's that's totally fair. I, I think um, hopefully we're going to see some overall positive regression for this passing offense. I do think like I'm probably the last person here standing that thinks, you know, maybe Ryan Tannehill isn't as bad as he he appeared to be. In week one, maybe he also, like many other quarterbacks this week, needed to shake off a little bit of that rust. Um, you know, also didn't play, missed a lot of last year with injuries. So maybe we start to see that taking shape a little bit more. But I, I you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see this passing offense um, and just the offense in general continue to to take some strides forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, Tannehill's a perfectly fine NFL quarterback. It was it was not an ideal week one, but it is only one week, so we don't want to overreact to it too much. Um, he was still, you know, getting the targets to DeAndre Hopkins as well, so we should see him perform pretty well as as their wide receiver one there. He pretty much dominated the targets Hopkins did, so that was uh, encouraging to see as well. We just got to see a little bit more accurate passing, and I think he can get there. I, I'm with you, I think just a little bit of time and uh, some shaking off of the rust for, for Ryan Tannehill uh, into week two here. Um, All right, let's go to the green Bay Packers at the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, So last week I I talked about Jordan love as a potential streamer and, and DFS play. Um, I know there are people, man, 
Yeah, they the people doubted it. They didn't listen, and he finished a QB three for the week. So, look, we're riding the hot hand this week. I'm rolling him out there again because I kind of love the matchup again. Uh, it's another one where the Packers' offensive line going against an Atlanta defensive line is a pretty big mismatch. Green Bay's O line earned the third highest pass blocking grade in the league last week at eighty three point six, and they allowed the lowest pressure rate of the week as well. Atlanta's defensive line. Better than last year, but pretty much uh, the one of the the worst teams still in the league. Uh, they were fifth highest average time to pressure as well um, last week at two point seven three seconds. So Jordan Love should have another clean pocket again to throw from. He threw all three of his touchdowns last week from a clean pocket. No turnover worthy plays. Potentially Christian Watson back as well. Are you in on the Jordan Love um, hype with me uh, for for week two? I'll, I'll roll with it. I'll roll with it. I think you can, you can definitely have a worse matchup. Like I I think maybe until proven otherwise, especially if you get Christian Watson back into that mix, but I think the biggest showing across the board here with Jordan love, like whether or not you want to start him for fantasy is that this offense looks competent. And that Mm -hmm. I think is like the one thing I really wanted to see coming out of the gate in week one was that this offense could move a ball and it absolutely could Um, that Jordan love, you know, was able to, to execute the offense. And he absolutely was, um, you know, love the, the usage for our guy, Luke Musgrave, uh, got a a really nice target down the field that might have been a touchdown if he didn't get like, kind of turned around a little bit on it. Um, like I, I think all things considered it good stuff from this green Bay Packers offense. Uh, now you have, uh, Aaron Jones dealing with, I think a hamstring. Is that right? Um, AJ Dillon coming off a terrible, terrible efficiency effort here. Um, if Aaron Jones is out, how bullish are you on AJ Dillon in this matchup? I think I'd feel okay with Dillon. Um, I, I, I know last week wasn't like a great example, especially compared to how efficient Aaron Jones was with his touches. Um, he, he was amazing, but obviously the hamstring injury. So I, I I I like the matchup again, even for the the Packers running game here. I think there will be opportunity for AJ Dillon. I don't think they're gonna lean on Jordan Love to make him you know pass the ball a ton. There's still gonna be opportunity there for the the uh, the running backs, and in this case, it could potentially be significantly AJ Dillon. So if Aaron Jones is out, I I wouldn't mind starting um, AJ Dillon in in week two here. Yeah, you mentioned that that offensive line defensive line matchup. Let's talk about the other side of the ball because this is probably the the one burning question every single fantasy manager has is can you start Kyle Pitts? Can you start Drake London? And why doesn't Arthur Smith care about my fantasy team? <laughs> it's rude. He, I know. And the fact that he keeps saying that he doesn't care about the fantasy teams either. It, it's it just almost like he kind of cares. It, no, oh, it's yeah. like the <laughs> the overemphasis on the fact that he does not care about fantasy football just makes me think like yeah. he had some horrific loss like as a oh, child yeah. or as like a, a guy in college where he was so traumatized by fantasy football that he made it his personal life goal to become an NFL coach and ruin the hopes of fantasy football managers for the rest of his life in perpetuity. That is what it feels like. Um, But for me, I'm not starting either of these guys. I don't feel comfortable. I think what you're going to get is a lot of like big fat zeros, big fat, um, less than 10 point outings. And then of course, like you're going to keep them in your lineups uh, because you feel like you have to. 
And then the moment you finally decide to sit them, they go off for probably like 150 yards and two touchdowns a piece. I don't want to deal with this passing offense anymore. And you know what? If the run game keeps working out the way that it seems to be working, why would they go to the the passing offense? Because Arthur Smith doesn't care about our fantasy teams. What are you doing with these two? I'm going to, I'm going to call them both receivers. Um, Cause that, yeah. that is what Kyle Pitts is. What are we doing? Man, it, it's tough. I'm still trying to figure out what to do with them because I got Kyle Pitts in a couple leagues and, and one of them I, I'm choosing between Kyle Pitts, Hunter Henry and Chigo Conquo. And I'm still leaning Pitts, but it's like, there's part of me that's like, why wouldn't I try Hunter Henry this week after last week? And I would go Chigo with Hunter Conquo. Henry there. Yeah, I know. It, it's so tempting, but I, I just, I keep having these visions of the upside for Kyle Pitts and me benching him and finally getting that upside and then it going to, to shit the next week after I bench him again um, or when I do start him again. So it's, it's so hard, man. I, I, yeah, I, I, I might, I might end up going Hunter Henry this week. It's the Packers defense, I think is good enough. That defensive line is good enough to create pressure um, to the point. And, and then you got Jair Alexander out there as well. So Drake London's another one. I bench Drake London. I'm going to go with Terry McLaurin uh, in a league. I think those guys were close for me. So it's another one. It's just not an ideal matchup for these Falcons um, receivers. I mean, if you can afford to, I'm, I'm, I think you probably bench them. I Hunter Henry's probably the latest I'd go as far as like other options. It feels so gross though. I can't stand it. Hey, tight end one overall <sighs> in week one, baby. Let's go back, yeah. go back to that. Well, because you know, I, I actually think it's kind of, an intriguing matchup, if you will. Um, we'll we'll talk about that matchup here in a little yeah. bit, but definitely interesting uh, up against that Miami Dolphins defense. But all right, so we're both out on the Atlanta Falcons, and now that we have said that out loud, um, yeah. I I'm excited to see them go off this week. Yeah, yeah. Now that we've For said tradition. it out loud, everybody start their Falcons because they're yes. going to go off. As we... <laughs> we'll we'll take the bullets here and our teams will lose while you guys take the wins. Uh, and hopefully they do go off because I would be happy to see that even though it would hurt some of my fantasy teams. So hashtag for the fans. That's we right. We are here exactly. for you, folks. We are here for you. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right. Let's go to the Las Vegas Raiders at the Buffalo Bills. Um, Josh Allen, not the greatest start uh last no. week through three interceptions <laughs> to jordan whitehead uh so what are your feelings here on the bills and raiders do you think this is a good bounce back spot for for josh allen and the bills i think this is a fine bounce back spot like this you know the turnovers um you know they're not new for josh mm-hmm. allen this has been an ongoing problem especially in the red zone like it's just been kind of a lot of boneheaded decisions and yes he probably needs to reel it in a bit but I think that's a lot of kind of what Josh Allen brings to this mix, right? Like you, you bring the YOLO mentality, you sling it up and, and, and you ride. And sometimes that doesn't work out, especially against the Jets secondary, which I wouldn't, you know, I I think early on, they, they kind of were a little bit tepid on offense, like way too much involvement from Deontay Hardy, not targeting Mm -hmm. Dalton Kincaid, you know, far enough down the field. Like, and then it went so far in the opposite direction. Like they've got to find some middle ground here. But again, the turnovers are not new for Josh Allen. 
Um, this has been an ongoing issue for him. And over the last three seasons, he has been a top five quarterback in 54% of his games, which that percentage uh, in the top five leads all quarterbacks in that span for fantasy football um, has been a quarterback one in 72% of games. Uh, one of only two quarterbacks that have finished over 70% of their games in that span with uh, QB one finishes in more than 70% of games. And that other quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. Like these turnovers have been a problem the entire time that he's been producing for fantasy. He'll get back on track. You know, this, this entire offense, like they're at home. I, I think that's going to be, you know, a, a nice factor. This is going to be a very hostile environment um, you know, for, for any other team to come into the Raiders coming over from the West coast. Like, I, I think this is going to be a fine matchup, um, going back to Josh Allen, I'll go back to the well with, uh, you know, obviously Stefan Diggs. I will even, you know, consider flexing Gabe Davis in this matchup. Um, I'm, I'm not scared of the Las Vegas Raiders. Now the Las Vegas Raiders, I think have a lot more to be scared of the, the Buffalo bills, um, you know, on the road, you have Jimmy Garoppolo, who had a pretty solid week one, but a lot of that production was to Jacoby Myers, who didn't practice Wednesday in the concussion protocol after a really scary hit in week one. Um, you know, hopefully we see him bounce back soon because that seems like a, a pairing that we should really um, keep a close eye on for fantasy yeah. moving forward. But in this matchup, it's 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 bills or bust for me. Yep, I'm 100% with you. I mean, Jacoby Myers, that I loved seeing him his involvement in the offense last week. That hit looked really bad. So I, I would be surprised if he played this week. Um, but yeah, Josh Allen, I think top three fantasy game um, potential here against the Raiders as well. And, and just Gabe Davis, like you mentioned, um, this is, I think, a good matchup for him. You know, the Raiders were one of the more zone heavy defenses in the league in, in week one. So I, I think there's potential here for Gabe Davis to kind of take advantage of that. All of his production came against zone where he got nothing against man in week one. And um, he's going to get uh, Corian Bennett and, and Marcus Peters. So I know Nick put them in, put, Gabe Davis as a potential streamer uh, at wide receiver this week in his wide receiver cornerback matchup. So um, I like Gabe Davis as well this week. I think that's a nice uh, play here and yeah, hope it would be nice to see Jacoby Myers back. I, I, I would be surprised though, uh, if he does play this game, but Devonte Adams should be just fine. I, I know he only had the six for 66 yard stat line, um, but he was also targeted on 31% of his routes, which is elite. So I, I'm not concerned about Devonte Adams uh, in this one either. So those would be the guys for me. And how about the running backs, James Cook, uh, Josh Jacobs, any interest in those guys? I think this is like in my head, I'm projecting this as a, a, a matchup where they're going to scheme to to get Josh Allen in positions where he feels comfortable. Um, haven't seen him have a, you know, a huge propensity for targeting the running back. So I don't know that that's something they'll work heavily into the game plan. I could be totally wrong. Um, but I mean, James Cook, he's he's looked great. He's looked explosive. It's just a matter of like how many touches is he going to get on a consistent basis? And that's, that's generally been my fear um, with, you know, investing in James Cook for fantasy. Yeah, I, I, I would agree there. I think James Cook is, is a, a cautious play this week if you're going to play him, but 
I, I would feel perfectly fine with with Josh Jacobs on on the other side. I would expect him to kind of bounce back this week. The Bills um, actually posted the second lowest run defense grade of the week in Week One, so could be a potential matchup to take advantage here um, as as they uh, they go against the Raiders. And uh, I know Jacobs wasn't great last week, but I think there's room for for improvement in Week Two, obviously. So. Uh, let's go to the Chicago bears at the Tampa Bay, uh, Buccaneers. And I mean, the bears defense is becoming one to target for me, like already this year, <laughs> uh, specifically their defensive line. We talked about it with the Packers last week. I think we kind of go back to it. At least I feel that way against Tampa Bay here. Uh, the bears ranked dead last in pass rush grade in week one. They were 30th in pressure rate, 25th in quick pressure rate. Um, the bucks O-line ranked seventh in pass blocking grade, and they allowed the third lowest pressure grade, pressure rate. So I think I'm okay. Like if I have to plugging in Baker Mayfield as a potential streamer this Ooh. week, um, and maybe even stacking him with Mike Evans in, in like a DFS play. So it may sound crazy, but uh, there is leagues where I have to play Baker Mayfield um, in deeper leagues with with Aaron Rodgers going down. But Mayfield earned the third highest passing grade from a clean pocket in week one. Um, he threw for two touchdowns, no turnover worthy plays on those dropbacks. I think that advantage in the trenches helps keep him clean here in week two. And he's got the weapons to to potentially give us some fantasy production. So is that risky playing Baker Mayfield in week two? It's risky, but I do think the matchup is is like complementary to that. I mean, Baker Mayfield, even last week, QB 13, which if you would have mm-hmm. told me ahead of week one that Baker Mayfield was the QB 13, I would have told you you were crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, the the Bears uh, in terms of coverage, six worst PFF coverage grade. Um, Kyler Gordon going to IR with a hand injury that was announced uh, today, Thursday. There's a lot three receiving touchdowns in coverage. And I think this is going to be just a, a fine matchup. Like if you don't feel comfortable starting Baker Mayfield in this matchup, you're not comfortable. I feel like starting him really in any matchup whatsoever. Yeah. I, you know, even at this point, like kind of uh, interested in, you know, some like as a deep DFS play, um, you know, kind of curious about uh, undrafted free agent rookie running back, Sean Tucker, um, in this matchup for, you know, these, these very reasons, the struggle, um, the bears have defensively, uh, you know, Rashad white didn't look great with, uh, the workload he got in week one was not efficient as a rookie. Like maybe we see a little bit of a, a swerve towards Sean Tucker, but for me, the bigger questions come on the other side of the ball. Yeah, so this was this was an interesting um, deployment last week, right? Uh, for Chicago, the the running back, the backfield there, um, we thought it was going to be Khalil Herbert, right? We both felt pretty decent that Herbert was going to handle the the large majority of the workload. Wasn't really the case, unfortunately. We saw a much more even split with uh, with Roshan Johnson getting involved, uh, specifically taking the work on on passing down. So and in the two minute drills, so. I don't know. Is this too much of a rotation to trust at this point in, in week two? I think yes. Um, if you're in a redraft league, uh, full PPR formats, I'll give a shout out to Roshan Johnson, who I think is a um, a decent stash or a decent in case of emergency option. If you have um, maybe an Austin Eckler and are, are, you know, you're worried about his status, but led the running backs with 17 routes run was kind of the go-to guy to close out the rest of that game. Um, highest PFF uh, pass blocking grade among these running backs. 
Um, I, I, you know, very encouraged by his usage specifically as a receiver. Um, got a, a little bit of work out of the slot, uh, seven targets, six receptions, 35 receiving yards. Like I, you like that, but the biggest and probably weirdest anomaly for me throughout almost probably all of the week one slate was what was going on with DJ Moore, two targets, two receptions, just 25 yards, but Darnell Mooney figured into this game a lot more than I projected tied for a team high seven targets had four receptions, 53 receiving yards and a score. I don't know that you can trust that every day, but any concern at all for the usage um, played primarily out of the slot, um, 78.3% of snaps out of the slot to be exact. Um, you know, we, we just didn't see DJ Moore get those targets out wide. Like I think we all had kind of hoped based on what mm-hmm. we saw throughout the preseason. Yeah. I, I, I was worried about the matchup last week and, and we did touch on it a little bit and, and going up against Jair Alexander as well. And so it, I'm not too concerned about it because it was one of the harder matchups, I think, for the Bears um, in week one there. I, I like the matchup a little bit more, obviously, this week against Tampa Bay. So I, I'm OK with DJ Moore this week. I think, you know, that he gets another opportunity here to kind of be that wide receiver one in Chicago. We saw it in the preseason that 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 he that Justin Fields would go to him uh, just didn't work out, obviously, for the first week. So I'm not panicking on DJ Moore just yet, but um, it was definitely a lower a stat line than than I guess I would have expected, even even expecting a tougher matchup in, in Green Bay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even for, for Justin Fields, I think seeing kind of some surprises here, like I have not seen um, a, a high a dot, like I, I think what um, literally a zero yard a dot in the preseason uh, follows that up in week one, just a 3.6 yards average depth of target. Um, you want to see him targeting deeper down the field. And maybe that was by design uh, clearly didn't work out for the bears in week one. Maybe we see them, you know, start to to target a little bit deeper down the field. But I do think that's going to be key to getting DJ Moore some work to, you know, just unlocking Justin Fields a little bit as a passer and seeing what he can do. Can he do the damage downfield? Is it just his legs? Who knows? But, um, you know, that's that's what I want to see out of fields for week one did lead all running or uh, lead all quarterbacks in PFF rushing grade. You love to see that, um, you know, but I, I really, you know, I, I want to see him. I want to see him pass the ball. That'd be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that that would definitely be nice. We we talked about wanting to see that improvement from him all offseason, right, as a passer and didn't really see it too much in that game. And, and you know, to be fair, that, that Packers defensive line, they were able to generate pressure at, at a pretty high rate, which was um, hard to deal with, obviously. So I think that maybe has something to do with, you know, the low A dot and, and trying to get that ball out quickly. But yeah, it should be a better matchup here. The, the Tampa Bay defensive line, not as good as, as the the Packers defensive line. So it's just up to the Bears offensive line, hopefully, to, to kind of keep him clean at least enough to pass the ball. Otherwise, going to be scrambling a lot again, which we also like, but we really want to see that progression as a passer, uh, especially for, for DJ Moore uh, fantasy managers. For sure. All right. Uh, Colts and Texans. This one here, where do you want to start? Indianapolis or Houston? Which one is more interesting for you? Because I think there's some interest in both. I think there's some interest in both. I want to start probably with the Colts offense here because there's a lot, I think, of variables up in the air here. 
Um, you know, saw a great debut from Anthony Richardson, uh, a much cleaner debut than I expected from him mm -hmm. as a passer. But what I want to talk about is how he's going to match up with this Houston Texans secondary, which I think they actually might be turning a corner in terms of coverage, um, in terms of this kind of being a, a matchup to avoid last year. Um, you know, didn't allow a ton through the air, but it was uh, largely on the back of the fact that nobody needed to pass against them. You know, this was a, a defense that you could run all over and, it, you know, you just didn't need to pass. Um, but, you know, following the bye last year, we've really started to see a decrease in overall efficiency for uh, opposing quarterbacks, uh, opposing wide receivers. Um Saw Lamar Jackson come out of the gate and again, like rusty probably, but um, saw him with an 8.8% .8 turnover worthy plate rate, which, um, you know, led quarterbacks. This was a, a you know, I, I think the Texans kind of proved themselves as a bigger pain in the butt than a lot of people were probably expecting. And I don't know that I'm, I'm overly excited to play a lot of these Colts assets here. Um, I know Michael Pittman had a, a fantastic week one. I'm kind of fading this Colts offense uh, against the Texans and uh, it's in Texas. It's uh, am I like overrating the, the Texans ability to cover here or could they be the real deal? No, I, I don't think overrating them. At, I mean, look, D'Amico Ryan's coming in and kind of turning this defense around. I don't, I don't think it's like it would be a huge surprise, right? He, he's, he proved that he was a, a good coach in San Francisco there. I mean, I know it's a much different personnel. Obviously, he doesn't have like a Nick Bosa or a Fred Warner and, and, and those guys on the team, but he's got some pieces in place there that, he, that he's been able to utilize so far. And yeah, I'm with you. It's, I'm not in love with the matchup for the Indianapolis offense. I think Anthony Richardson is still in play for me this week because I liked what he did as a passer. Um, obviously love that he had 10 rushing attempts in the game as well. 40 yards touchdown on the ground. So yes, please with more of that and definitely a better passer than what I anticipated. So I like to see that where the ball goes. We can assume Michael Pittman. I just don't know that it'll be as heavily as it was in, in week one. I think we could see potential for it to kind of get spread around here as that defense can be maybe one of the more surprise defenses of the year. I'm I'm, I'm definitely with you there. So uh, I like Anthony Richardson most of all, but I guess the big question is, will we get RB1 Zach Moss in this game? He, yes. was, uh, he was a full <laughs> participant in practice this week. So Kate, you got your ear to the Zach Moss streets. What's the word here for, for Zach Moss? I think he's a full go. I mean, you could not have like the, the, Fantasy gods could not have paved the roads any more smoothly for a Zach Moss, uh, you know, breakout game here. Like towards the end of last season, we actually saw, you know, with the Colts saw a boost in that efficiency when he got a workload, big surprise. Um, you know, he's one of these running backs that I think his rushing style, he's kind of a bruiser. Like he's one of these, these running backs that I think takes, you know, a few reps to kind of get going and he wears down opposing defenses. I do think he's going to have the opportunity to do that quite a bit. And, you know, you mentioned the, the work Anthony Richardson did on the ground that didn't help Deion Jackson's case at all. Um, but you do hope that like, uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of been a, an interesting tell uh, in Colts media, especially when, Zach Moss is returning and, and 
the media is is saying, thank God Zach Moss is back. <laughs> it's a clear indication of how significant they think this tear break is between Deion Jackson, Evan Hall going to IR. Um, but I, I think like the waiting for Zach Moss feels like it's it's a very clear cut sign that, you know, this is RB1. I don't think they're going to to force the ball to Deion Jackson. I think this is probably a 20 plus touch game for Zach Moss. And, you know, if you want to protect the ball a little bit and you want to, you know, maybe not put your rookie quarterback in a position to test a, um, you know, pretty decent, uh, you know, developing secondary, what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to try to run the ball, whether that be with Anthony Richardson or Zach Moss. I think this could be a run heavy game. Uh, and, I'm lighting Zach Moss up with confidence. So maybe, maybe I was too quick to say that I'm out on the Colts. It turns out I'm not out on the, I'm, I'm out on Michael Pittman, but yeah, this, this Zach Moss feeling in my heart, that's <laughs> feeling good, baby. There we go. So it's Zach Moss RB one season fire him up. Hopefully. Yeah. I'm, I'm, if we can get that, that workload that even what Deion Jackson had last week, Deion Jackson was inefficient with his touches. Zach Moss should come in and hopefully be the better option there, which is, it is a positive here for this Colts offense. So I'm excited to see it for sure. Um, on the Texan side of things, I mean, look, the Colts defense, their coverage unit, it was exactly kind of what we expected in week one, right? They're a matchup to take advantage of here. Um, it was a zone heavy defense in week one. They ranked 25th in yards allowed per coverage snap out of zone at 6.31. So Robert Woods, Nico Collins, these are guys that I think are worth in deeper leagues kind of streaming here. Woods specifically had a lot more success against zone, including a 32% target rate against zone versus just 9% against man. Great matchup. Hopefully get some uh, high volume passing game here from the Texans and CJ Stroud like they were last week. I, I think Stroud had the second most dropbacks uh, in week one, which was wild. So there's potential here for for maybe this Houston Texans passing offense as well, which we'll talk about pretty much anytime anyone's facing uh, the Colts defense and, and coverage because I don't think they're going to be good. But um, other than that, Damian Pierce did not get the third down role that we expected, which was a major bummer because Mike Boone played 10 of 15 third downs. He played 10 of Mike 19 two minute Boone. drills. I know. I know. This is shocking, right? Like no idea where this came from. They, they, they teased us in the preseason that Damian Pierce was going to have this bigger role, but far from ideal compared to what we expected here. Um, so are you starting Damian Pierce this week, you know, against guys like uh, James Connor or James Cook, or any of those guys, or, or are you kind of worried about uh, the usage here? I'm a little bit worried about the usage, but I do think this is, you know, a little bit of a better matchup here. James Connors, like a, a guy I'm, I'm very bullish on this week. Um, so I'd start James Connor over Damian Pierce here for sure. But uh, Damian Pierce, I still think he's going to, you know, emerge from this matchup probably with like 15 plus touches. Um, hopefully we start to see that role grow. I'm getting sick and tired of saying, hopefully we see that role grow. Maybe, maybe we don't. Um, but I, I still think, uh, you know, I, I like this matchup against the Colts a bit better than I did last week against the Ravens. So fingers are crossed uh, that we see that usage. I, I love every time that he touches the ball. Uh, he's just such a fun running back to watch. He's so um, he's he's just such a tough runner. And I think uh, it's going to translate a little bit better against the Colts than than we saw in week one. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm with you. Um, all right, let's keep her going here against, uh, we'll go to the Kansas City Chiefs against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The question, we don't know if El Travador will play. Travis Kelsey um, still up in the air there. I don't know what's going to happen with the Chiefs offense. Will they bench Kadarius Tony or Sky more in favor of Rashi Rice? I don't know. Um, anybody here in Kansas City that you're actually interested in starting this week outside of Patrick Mahomes? I still like Rashi Rice. Uh, it was yeah. t- targeted on a, a high percentage of his routes run. Um, I do think, you know, based on what we saw, like it seems to have earned more targets. We always say targets are earned. I think Rashi Rice, especially, you know, first career catch, saw that touchdown in the end zone, mm-hmm. but it was exactly what I think you wanted to see from Rashi Rice. That was my favorite part of his game coming out of college was the fact that he can be so friendly to quarterbacks and mm-hmm. can find a soft spot, uh, you know, when a play breaks down and be able to, to, you know, make that uh, translate into a first down, a touchdown. And that's exactly what we saw Patrick Mahomes be able to do is find him when the play broke down. Um, would not be at all surprised to see, you know, him, him earn some, some increased snaps, um, you know, some, some more routes run. And I do think that we're probably going to see Patrick Mahomes uh, target him on those routes, especially he was, he was the best wide receiver on the field. I think, you know, yep. to, to open up the season, Kadarius, Tony, who knows what is good. Like, I, I think he should be benched, honestly. Like I, I've said this a million times, like you don't, you know, sit your wide receiver one in the Super Bowl uh, for for the majority of the game, even if he is uh, a little bit banged up, if you think he's going to be like the the key to unlocking your offense. Kadarius Tony is not a wide receiver one. He proved it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, every every player has bad games, but I I there's something with this guy, man, I like Kadarius Tony. If there are like, if there was a start sit show that I did purely based on vibes, Kadarius Tony would go undrafted 10 times out of 10. Cause there's something with that guy. I don't know what it is, but he, he proved me right. I feel like uh, in, in week one, Rushy Rice is the only guy that I'm really trusting. And that's kind of more of a desperation play. Um, even the running backs, like it, what do you, what do you do with this, this running back group? Do you trust Patrick Mahomes? Like, I feel like you're, you, you do, you have to play Patrick Mahomes, but I think this is a situation that until you get Kelsey back in the fold, you're starting Mahomes. I don't think you're starting anybody else in this, this offense necessarily. And you're probably looking to, you know, supplement some of that lack of upside that Patrick Mahomes might have in the absence of Travis Kelsey with, some higher upside flex plays elsewhere in your lineup. Mm -hmm. I think that makes sense. And yeah, you you mentioned the running backs. I think there's at least maybe a possibility that we see Jarek McKinnon get more involved this week and have a bigger uh, stat line. I know he was super disappointing last in week one, just the one catch for 10 yards, but 
I, I could see them utilizing him more, having a bigger day because the, the snaps were there and, and kind of promising for him. He didn't lead the team in total snaps, but he did get 100% of the goal line snaps, took six of seven third down snaps, seven of 11 two-minute drill snaps. So even the majority of the short yardage work. So th- there's, I think, potential. He, he could be one of those bounce-back guys for me this week, especially as the options in the in the passing game could potentially be limited for for Patrick Mahomes we know that he's utilized McKinnon in that role before so I think he could kind of come back um to to being fantasy relevant here but yeah I'm with you everybody else is just very concerning Rushy Rice I think has the potential to earn a bigger role for sure because he he looked he looked like the best wide receiver for them in week one which is so scary like when rookie <laughs> Rushy Rice is your uh like far and away the best wide receiver on the field that's not good Um, but I, I, again, I do think that, you know, he's, he's doing all of the right things that earn trust and build rapport with your starting quarterback. And if I can build rapport with any quarterback in the league, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes who can deliver a ball under duress, any circumstance in the entire universe. Um, I, I, I think he is definitely one to monitor though. I'm not looking to start him heading into week Mm -hmm. two. Fair. That's very fair. Um, all right. How about the Jacksonville Jaguars? Cause we saw Calvin Ridley obviously have that massive game. We talked about that potential for him to blow up this past week. He did. Um, Zay Jones also a, a nice game there. Christian Kirk, not so much. Yeah. Um, so concerned at all for Christian Kirk. Are, are you willing to roll him back out there? I'm not overly excited about Christian Kirk. I'll say that, um, you know, and it's, it's, not necessarily, uh, you know, surprising to me the way that they used him, uh, played the bulk of snaps out of the slot, which is also what we saw, you know, in, in 2022. So like that wasn't, it wasn't surprising to see him relegated to the spot did play, um, you know, a higher percentage of those snaps from the slot, but like the, the majority of his production last year came from the slot. So I do think there's going to be some positive regression here in the other direction, um, you know, it, there's, there's been too much history there of, I, I think him being productive in that position, even if he did play a higher percentage of his snaps there, um, like Christian Kirk has always been a slot receiver. Um, you know, maybe we see that, that target percentage go down a little bit, but it, I think it has to bounce back up eventually. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm like totally off my rocker here and um i'm not i'm not like bullish on christian kirk in any sense of word if i can start anybody else i will i'm just saying that i'm not ready to like mark his gravestone just yet yeah yeah that's fair and and look i think there was enough in week one that we saw out of this jaguars offense to at least create those feelings and and validate those feelings because calvin ridley obviously being in the offense changes a lot for that um for that target distribution there so i'm with you i'm I'm fine sitting christian kirk this week and i I wouldn't feel bad about it if i had to go elsewhere um and pick a different option because uh i think there there will be better options um this week so uh, anything else for Jacksonville? Or you want to go to Seattle, Detroit here, Seattle, Detroit. I think this yeah. was, this one's kind of a, a more interesting game. We, we know the Jaguars. I feel like, yeah. uh, Travis Etienne had a, a solid game, Trevor Lawrence, solid game. Like, yeah, it, it, I think they kind of were exactly what I expected them to be. And, um, but you know, who wasn't who I expected them to be 
the Seattle Seahawks. They were not who I expected them to be in week one. Can they bounce back here in week two? That's my question. I know. I, I Look, I went on here last week and talked about how the Rams defense was going to be abysmal. Um, and I still think there's a good chance that they'll come back down to earth. Um, plus, I, but I'm just kind of worried that Maybe this had to do with the Seahawks offense being out of sorts more than anything. So I guess that's where, I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm feeling a little bit concerned that this offense, you know, was maybe a flash in the pan under Geno Smith because that Rams defense should have been a very plus matchup for them. Um, it was definitely not uh, DK Metcalf obviously had the touchdown. So it's, it's, it's something to kind of keep in mind because I don't think this Detroit team is going to give them an easy matchup by any means. So we know what the usage and everything is for the Seahawks offense. It's just a matter of if they can bounce back against this Lions defense, uh, which by all accounts should be a very good defense again this week. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm probably not playing Geno Smith against, against the Detroit Lions. I probably play DK Metcalf, but that's about it. Kenneth Walker. Yeah, I would play Kenneth Walker, but it's, it's I'm, again, not a guy that I'm excited about either. So, it's it's not great for for Seattle here heading into week two. How do you how do you feel about it? I I feel kind of similarly. Um, you know Jackson Smith and Jigba. I want to give him a shout out because he's a guy that you know obviously for for dynasty especially super high on. Um, was super excited to see him out there. But the thing that I I think kind of worried me. I was expecting that he would get a pretty significant uh chunk. Uh, you know almost all of the snaps coming out of the slot. Uh, but we actually saw DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett also rotate through the slot, yeah. um, which, you know, didn't necessarily um, it, like that just kind of displaced Jackson Smith and Jigba only played four total snaps out wide um, with the rest of his snaps coming from the slot. So when DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett were were in the rotation at slot, yeah, that that wasn't good for Jackson Smith and Jigba um, putting him on ice until further notice. Yeah. For sure. Um, so yeah, so the we know what the Seahawks offense is right now. We're just hoping that they're potentially better, um, basically. But I'm I'm not uh, excited about them here in week two. But for Detroit on their side, I mean, David Montgomery, kind of an interesting target for me this week. I, I know Jameer Gibbs at some point has to get more touches, but you know, knowing what this team, their reliance on veterans and and not putting rookies into full-time roles right away. I, I would not be surprised to see David Montgomery with another bigger workload this week. He carried the ball 21 times in week one. So I don't think that takes like a massive hit already. Even if Gibbs does see a slight bump in touches or snaps, the lions had the second best run blocking offensive line in the week, league in week one. Seattle's D line was just kind of average. Um, I think we could squeeze some value here out of David Montgomery in week two averaged 1.2 yards before contact. Uh, so which was 12th among running backs, thanks to that offensive line had the sixth lowest stuffed run rate in week one among 33 qualifying running backs, um, but handled all the two minute drill snaps, 80% on third down short yardage, no goal line snaps for the Lions in week one, but would imagine he gets those as well um, just based on the, the rest of the usage. So I'm kind of riding Montgomery for now until we see Gibbs truly take over this backfield. And like I said, kind of knowing what the, how the lions like to deploy these rookies early in their careers. Um, I, I, I feel okay about him for week two. Yeah, I, I actually agree here. So, you know, looking at David Montgomery, RB 13 and half PPR formats to start the year, um, you know, 
looked really disappointing when you were watching the game, but I think yeah. largely that was because he was playing in tandem with Jameer Gibbs, who looked so freaking good. But I, I definitely agree in terms of the usage there for David Montgomery, in terms of the deployment of rookies, like they're they're very clearly going to be easing him in uh to the mix here. And David Montgomery, I just think is is you know, more of that prototypical running back in between the tackles that, that you're going to use on those early downs and, and their usage reflected that. So um, I, I think David Montgomery, a fine play, um, you know, especially until we start to really see a, a uptick, uh, you know, and that's not to say it could even happen within the next couple of weeks here that we really start to see this ramp load or this, this workload ramp up for Jameer Gibbs. But until proven otherwise, I think you, you roll with David Montgomery and and enjoy the touches while you can. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It's going to happen at some point, right? Gibbs is going to take over. He just looked too good not to, and you don't spend the 12th overall pick on a guy to, to, to leave him on your bench. So at some point he's going to take over, but for now, I, I, you, I think you roll with David Montgomery um, in, in what should be a decent matchup here. So anything else for, for the lion's side of ball side of the ball that stands out? No, I like yeah. still kind of, you know, watching and learning uh, mm -hmm. in terms of Sam Laporta. You love his usage, saw five targets in week one, uh, translated to 39 receiving yards, was, was solid as a pass blocker. Like you liked everything you saw out of Sam Laporta. But I, I think, you know, outside of Amonra St. Brown, like I, I think he's really the only like primary receiving weapon that I'm really, you know, looking to go all in on here. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. Um, all right, let's move on then. And we'll do a quick uh, ad break here from our friends at DraftKings. Football is back in full swing for another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the action with or the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code PFF to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PFF. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text 8HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, cdkng.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right. New York Giants at the Arizona Cardinals. Um, yeah. We, I mean, <laughs> what a matchup, right? We, we Look, we said it last week, right? We, we said Daniel Jones, I think, was, was going to be benched for us last week. Um, going against that Dallas defensive line definitely turned out to be the right move because that was an absolute bloodbath that that New York Giants O-line was not great. Um, but that D Dallas D-line was also amazing. So an unfair mismatch there. This week against the Cardinals should be much better, you would think. Their their D-line is nowhere close to the level of Dallas. So if the Giants' O-line can't hold up against Arizona's pass rush, then I have much bigger concerns for the Giants' <laughs> offense. <laughs> yeah, um, the I, random idea uh, they should block for Daniel Jones. Like, that would be that would be pretty crazy. Yeah, I, 
I think this is going to be a nice, like get right matchup. I, you know, definitely saw, I think the Arizona Cardinals, um, you know, not flounder quite as much as I think everybody thought they would, um, mm-hmm. coming out of the gate here, but that might've been speaking more to, you know, the commander side of the ball necessarily than to their defense at this point. Um, you know, I, I think this is going to be a, a solid matchup. Um, uh, you know, you're, you're, starting your Saquon Barkley's I think you know Daniel Jones I'm fine going back to the well with Daniel Jones who I've liked as a late round quarterback um you know something to to continue to monitor like we we keep hearing things about Darren Waller his hamstring like that being an ongoing issue um you know was was targeted by Daniel Jones which is great but um you know, you, you definitely want to see some more involvement uh there out of the gate and you want to see him healthy on the Cardinals side of the ball, I'm really excited about James Conner this week. Uh, tied for the 11th most touches in week one, let all running backs with an 86.3 PFF rushing grade, top three pass blocking grade among running backs going up against the Giants who had a, a top 10 or sorry, a bottom 10 run blocking grade, bottom five overall defense uh, in, in PFF grade. Like, I think this could be a really nice matchup for a running back who is like far and away that teams are being one. Yeah. I, I, you mentioned it right. Highest rushing grade uh, of week one for James Connor. And he did it behind the lowest ranked run blocking offensive line in the like, league. That's I mean, crazy. Yeah. This man is literally fighting for his effing life out there. And this <laughs> Cardinals team is just trying to bury him. It, we knew, look, he was going to be the top fantasy asset for this team, but he's really just given it his all for us. Um, so got to respect James Connor there and the effort I'm, I'm with you. I, I got to start him as well um, because I don't want to start many other players in this Arizona offense. I mean, no. the Zach Ertz usage was nice, um, but I just Still I didn't feel translate like want- to anything. Exactly. That's what I mean. I want to see it more consistently before kind of plugging him into any lineups and and trusting that that usage and and production is going to is going to generate for him because, yeah, this this Arizona offense, I I don't know what to do with it. Hopefully we get Clayton tune at some point. (laughs) Hopefully. uh, But if not, like I'm just going to enjoy some some PPR production from James Conner, five targets, five receptions for a whopping eight yards and I don't care because it's fantasy points, baby. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, that is the beauty of playing in a PPR league for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, All right. So let's go to the 49ers at the Los Angeles Rams. Um, The 49ers are pretty much who we thought they were. Um, Week one was the Brandon Ayuk week. Probably a decent chance that it'll be maybe a different receiving option that blows up this week. But Either way, I'm I'm plugging all these guys into my lineups. I know that Rams D looked legit last week, although I do tend to think that that might have been a bit of like a Fugazi performance from them. Um, so we'll see what they look like against the 49ers on, on both sides of the ball. But I tend to believe that the the Rams will probably be humbled in this one by uh, the San Francisco offense. How are you feeling about this one? Yeah, I'm I'm all all sides go for the San Francisco 49ers. All all signs stop immediately in your tracks for the LA Rams. Um, you know, just generally you've got fades across the board for me. Um, you know, especially Cam Akers, you know, we, we saw his usage in week one, didn't really get a ton of work until like the fourth quarter when they were just kind of running this, this game out. And like, you know, it, it just, the, the touches weren't overly meaningful. He was super inefficient when he saw them just 29 scrimmage yards on 22 total touches. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, like this is not an offense that I want to be starting my running backs against the 49ers have allowed just 13.8 fantasy points per game to opposing running backs dating back to last season. Um, only defense in the league to have allowed fewer than 1100 rushing yards dating back to week one last season, like acres has already struggled with efficiency. And, you know, I, I didn't think this was a terrible matchup for him either uh, in week one. So yeah, I'm not going to touch this matchup with a 10 foot pole on, on the Rams side of things. I think this could get fairly ugly, fairly quickly. Yeah, no, I, I'm not playing Kyron Williams or Cam Akers in this game. That that 49ers D line is is just too good. And both of these guys really they they finished inside the top five last week and stuffed run rate. Akers was number one. Williams was number five. I, I get that Kyron Williams had a nice you know top ten RB finish last week, but. He also had two rushing touchdowns, which are going to be much harder to repl- replicate here against the 49ers. So a good waiver wire target at the moment, but not one that I'm plugging into lineups uh, immediately here in, in week one. So uh, I'm avoiding the running backs as well. But how about the other hot waiver wire target uh, for the Rams? Puka Nakua, 15 targets last week, 119 yards. Are you trusting the Puka Nakua production um, in week two? I'm not I'm <laughs> like I'm I'm ready to be burned at the stake when I'm incorrect. Um, but again, this is like this is, you know, I, I think a offense or a, a defensive line that's going to generate a ton of pressure on Matthew mm-hmm. Stafford, um, you know, like when plays break down, when when quarterbacks are under pressure, like, you know, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup had that down. I'm not trusting that Matthew Stafford and Puka Nakua are to the same point that he and Matthews or that he and Cooper Cup were on. Um, you know, when when those plays do break down, I I I just worry that again, things could get kind of ugly. Um, and that's not to say that I don't like Puka Nakua. It's that I don't like offensive players against this Rams defense. Um, yeah. you know, I, I don't think he's going to have a lot of time to navigate the pocket with Javon Hargrave with Nick Bosa like this is probably just going to be pretty pretty ugly um and you're just gonna yeah I I I, for as much fab as you probably spent on him I'm not looking to start him here in week two I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I, no, I, I I'm with you. I, I like Puka Nakua. I, I think he's, he's a very interesting prospect. I love that he got 15 targets and then Stafford look for him um, often throughout that entire game, but this is a different defense. Um, the, the San Francisco 49ers here and look, the Rams offensive line surprisingly pass blocked very well uh, in, in week one. But uh, again, Seattle defensive line is not the same as the 49ers defensive line. Like you said, Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, Drake Jackson last week was, was a beast as well. So there are weapons here that, that are going to make things a lot tougher for the Rams. So I'm with you. I think deep, deep leagues is fine for Puka Nakua, but outside of that, he's not I'm one of those immediate plug and play uh, waiver wire picks up pickups in week two. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think he's going to make his way back. Uh, he's going to have another solid outing, but I don't think it's this week. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, all right, let's go to the Jets and the Dallas Cowboys. Um, man, what a bummer. Uh, we can oh. pretty much consider the Garrett Wilson dark horse for wide receiver campaign, I would think, officially over. Um, Zach Wilson's just not going to let that happen, I don't think. Um 
especially this week against this Cowboys defensive line that we saw light up Daniel Jones and the Lions. And then you take into account that both offensive tackles for the Giants are questionable coming into this game. They they both played last week, but they weren't amazing either. So I am staying away from pretty much this entire Jets offense if I can afford to. If you can afford to, like the only guy that I'm I'm probably willing to go back to the well on is Brees Hall, who, yeah. you know, just looked absolutely fantastic, looks so explosive. You love to see the usage. Um, but like his his skill set is probably the only thing that you might bank on to yeah. be something of an edge over this Cowboys defense. You know, you just hope he's faster and outruns and and is able to you know, break one tackle. And once he does, he's gone. And I, like, I think that's hopefully the one skill set that, that could give them the, the edge in the rushing game, but this overall, like these, both of these defenses, um, you know, very, very strong defenses, um, you know, especially Zach Wilson, uh, obviously not trusting, you know, Garrett Wilson. I feel like a lot of fantasy managers are going to feel like they have to start Garrett Wilson. And I'm not sure that, that it's wise if they do this, this quarterback wide receiver pairing has a, a, a decent history together, right? Like, um, you know, don't let this crazy catch that we saw in week one permeate the history that we already had with this quarterback wide receiver duo uh, in Garrett's 10 games played with Wilson, a quarterback. He has yet to exceed 15 fantasy points in a single matchup. He had just an abysmal floor with Zach Wilson. He had 5.1 or fewer fantasy points in six of his 10 games with Zach Wilson starting at quarterback disaster disaster. Yeah. Yeah. These are the stats no. that bring like a tear to my eye because it is, it's, it's truly heartbreaking for Garrett Wilson had such There's only so much him. he can do to elevate the gameplay of Zach Wilson. But I mean, just, you know, even if it were Aaron Rodgers, I'd still be kind of tepid about this matchup, just given like you've got Micah Parsons, Dante Fowler, Demarcus Lawrence, like Stefan Gilmore played super well in his debut with the Cowboys. Like no freaking thank you to all of the above. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is hard to disagree there. I'm with you too on Brees Hall. I mean, I know he's being eased back into action, but he just looked explosive as ever, right? So please give us something to be excited about for watching this Jets <laughs> offense and let Brees Hall get more touches because that's pretty much our only hope at this point. Um, as On the Dallas side of things, I don't know. It, it felt like it was kind of hard to put too much stock into Dallas's offense from week one after they kind of dummied the Giants and, and didn't really need to do anything offensively. Obviously, Tony Pollard, we, we know that was great to see, but not concerned overall about Dak or, or CD, um, even uh, Fergie Ferg over there. I, I think there will be better game scripts for these guys and, and this Jets, even though this Jets defense, I think is a good one, a very good one. I think they could keep this game much closer, but we could see maybe more optimal usage, at least for the Dallas, Dallas offense more than anything, I guess. Yeah. And, um, you know, worth noting, um, you know, we, I'm not sure what the, the latest status is. So, Pardon me while I'm like fumbling through my words. Um, <laughs> do we think that Brandon Cooks is going to play in this game? Does that change anything for you in terms of, you know, being willing to start some of these other assets here? 
I probably I I don't think I would put Michael Gallup in as as an option this week if Brandon Cooks can't play. That's not really a player that I'm I'm overly excited about for this year, even with or without Cooks in the lineup. Ceedee Lamb for sure I think is is definitely the big one, but maybe there's potential there for Jake Ferguson. I know he didn't do much in in week one, but again, didn't the really opportunity have to. was there. The like... the opportunity was there exactly. So it could be again, and and if if no Brandon Cooks is in the picture. That just opens up potentially more targets for for Jake Ferguson um, in the passing offense. So that would probably be the next man up for me that I would be looking at um, over maybe a Michael Gallup. Yeah, just pulling up the latest update here. Brandon Cook's dealing with a slight sprain of the MCL. So Mm. it doesn't sound great, but they're saying he still has a chance to play. So something to to keep an eye on, maybe, um, you know, lowering Dak ceiling, but I don't think you're trusting Dak in this matchup anyway. So yeah, it's a tougher one. Yeah, for sure. Um, I am with you there. So that was pretty much, I think pretty much it for that game. Let's keep it going here. Let's go to uh, the Washington commanders at the Denver Broncos. Hey, Sam Howell finished as QB 11 uh, last week. We'll take it. And we'll just ignore the fact that there was a decent chunk of this game where the Washington <laughs> offense really struggled against like a pretty mid Arizona D. Um, but hopefully this is just them kind of taking some time to get out, you know, work out some of the kinks. And um, if you look at the early part of the game where Howell flashed and, and you know, had that touchdown to Brian Robinson and then the late part of the game where he scrambled and into the end zone himself for a touchdown and kind of ignore the the stuff in the middle. I think it was everything that we'd want to see from <laughs> Sam Howell. Um but obviously the negative tendencies are, are still there a little bit. So we'll, we'll, hopefully, we'll hope to see that kind of worked out um, in the weeks ahead. But I don't hate this matchup again for, for the Washington offense. How about you? Yeah, I'm not I'm not overly scared. Honestly, I'm more concerned for the Denver Broncos side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, fading Javante Williams, who yeah. got a, a decent workload also to start the season, uh, was was kind of impressed by his uh, his touch total here in week one. Um, but man, I, I think the Washington commanders are going to continue to be a force to be reckoned with. This defense was absolutely suffocating. They had three defenders that ranked top 20 in PFF defense grade or rush defense grade. Like this was a, a force to be reckoned with. And we didn't even have, um, uh, oh my gosh, we didn't even chase young. We didn't have chase young in this game. Um, probably not going to have him in week two either, but it doesn't seem to matter because this is a suffocating defense uh, that I'm not looking to, to really target matchups against any, any way, shape or form. Yeah, no, I'm a hundred percent with you. I wrote up Javante Williams as an avoid this week at the O-line D-line matchup article and the Washington defense, the defensive line are in the highest run defense grade, 85.4 in week one, tied for the third most tackles at or behind the line of scrimmage in week one. Their average depth of tackle from the defensive line was negative 0.71 yards, which was the best in the league. So Broncos O-line, just about average. I think this could be a big mismatch here. As good as Javante Williams is at creating after contact, it could be tough sledding against a very, very good defensive line. Um, and then considering the committee usage to it to an extent as well in that Denver backfield, I think Javante Williams is a, a fair one to avoid uh, this week where we can. But Jerry Judy was back at practice um, yesterday, I guess it was, but in a limited fashion. So potential that maybe he gets out there uh, this week, but probably not somebody that I am starting in his first week back from injury either. 
Yeah. Um, another injury, uh, Greg Dulcich, um, which mm. could be a, a decent bump for Adam Troutman, uh, who we saw get a, a fair bit of utilization here in the preseason. Anyway, keep an eye on that. I'm not, I'm not like looking to start Adam Troutman, but could be something uh, for, for folks who are streaming the position to keep an eye on. Um, I, I would just, you know, monitor that usage throughout week two, because he, he could end up being a decent pickup for those streaming. Yes. Good call. Um, all right. Let's go on to the Sunday night football matchup of the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots. Um, Kate, I mean, this Miami offense looked as explosive as we saw them with a healthy Tua last year. I, I know uh, Raheem Mostert's dealing with uh, a potential injury here. He's questionable. Uh, Jalen Waddle's dealing with an oblique injury, also questionable. But um, wh- what are your thoughts on on this game? Do you think we can see Mostert and Waddle still or, or any concern at all for, for their availability? I'm a little concerned uh, on Mostert just given his, his overall injury history, but I wouldn't really want to start any backups in his place either. I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to start Raheem Mostert in this matchup up against the New England Patriots. Um, you know, Tua had a, a really successful week one overall quarterback one, but uh, saw the Patriots ranked eighth in pass coverage grade as a unit to start the mm-hmm. season. Not loving, you know, them having to go into New England for this matchup. I'm just kind of you know, fading as much as you can. The Miami Dolphins, obviously you're playing Terry Kill. You're playing Jalen Waddle if active, but that's kind of where it ends for me. Even regardless, you know, if if Raheem Moser is out with an injury, um, you know, and, and maybe we see Devin A. Chain get some work, I'm I'm still full fade. But I do think the New England Patriots are kind of in an interesting spot. I'm not overly terrified of this Miami Dolphins defense. Um, we saw them get run all over by the Los Angeles Chargers last week. Is this a um, a good spot for Ramondre Stevenson, who, you know, still saw a lot of work as a receiver, um, could be a, another PPR gold mine or gold, mm-hmm. gold mine, gold mine. Oh my goodness. I cannot, <laughs> I can't. Yeah. One of those gold, gold mine things, right? Um, <laughs> like that, that might be what Ramondre Stevenson continues to be for full PPR scoring formats all throughout the season, based on what we saw in week one. Yeah, it was great to see Stevenson get the large majority of snaps there in the backfield, including third down, two-minute drill. He got all of that. Only one sample of goal line work, I think, came on a two-point conversion attempt, and Ezekiel Elliott did get that. But um, Stevenson had pretty much every single touch on that drive as well. But I'm definitely starting Ramondre Stevenson. I love the matchup here. I would be definitely playing him um, no problem every single week with that kind of usage. I don't. I guess I don't mind Hunter Henry and Kendrick Kendrick Bourne in in yes. deeper leagues, but um, yeah, it, it God, it, it still feels gross, right? Like <laughs> we don't know what if Mac Jones is going to keep it up. We just because last year was so messy with this team, right? And and it's only one week so far this year, so I'm tentative, but I I really don't mind the matchup. I think you know I think Miami was fourth in uh, tight end points allowed uh, last week, so. There, there's potential there for Hunter Henry. I'll be putting him into some lineups and just kind of plugging my nose and hoping that it, it works. But uh, yeah, Kendrick Bourne's the other one that that I'm interested in as well. I thought he had some pretty good usage. So anybody else that, that you like from New England? Nobody, but I, I do. I really like Kendrick Bourne if you're like in a huge pinch. Um, saw 11 targets, caught six of them, 64 yards, led the team with three red zone targets. 
uh, two of which came in, in the end zone and were caught for touchdowns, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the chargers didn't necessarily need to throw a ton on the dolphins in week one. So I don't really think we got to see that, that secondary tested as much as I would have liked. Um, but I, you know, I think the, the usage here is so encouraging that like, if you are in need of a spot play, I, I think you could do worse than Kendrick Bourne at home against the dolphins. Nice. All right. There we go. We are rolling with Kendrick Bourne as well. Um, all right. Let's go on to the first of two Monday night football games somehow in week two. I have no idea. Um, th- this really confused me last night on the IDP preview pod. I called this the Sunday night football game and I called the other one, the, the next one, the Monday night football game. I really was confused why this was going to get uh, you know, an island game, but it looks like they're only getting an hour of an island game and then they're going to get buried by Pittsburgh Cleveland. But so isn't that weird, though? Because so it's like, super weird. We've got the first game, um, you know, uh, Saints Panthers on uh, ESPN. And then you've yeah. got the second game on ABC. So this is the same company, remember? So they are it's... just competing with themselves for viewership, which I do not understand. <laughs> If there is an audience member out there who can please explain to me what in the world this situation is, because I feel like you're just like shooting yourself in the foot and, you know, what, 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 why, but why? Yeah. And and the fact that it's happening in week two as well, like I remember week one, we used to get the two Monday night games right to start the season. It would be like Raiders and Chargers or something like that as the late game for the West Coast. But to start both of these games basically at the same time and have them competing against each other makes zero sense to me. I have no idea what the hell the NFL is doing. So, yeah, you're right. If, If somebody knows, please let us know, because I honestly have no idea. Um, yeah. Other than that, New Orleans at Carolina. I think it, you know, it's kind of a good matchup for Jamal Williams this week, even though, you know, his week one wasn't very encouraging. I don't mind to take another shot on here on him here against a Panthers defense that ranked dead last in run defense grade um, in week one. So I don't know. I, I mean, it didn't Jamal Williams, obviously not the encouraging performance that we'd want to see in week one, but somebody that I think I'm willing to kind of go back to this week um, in a positive matchup. Is is that crazy? I think that's totally fair. Um, I I actually kind of like a, a few players here on the Saints side of the ball. Tell me if I'm crazy though, because I need I need to know if I'm crazy. Um, I I think Jamal Williams is a good start, but you know what? I also think like he's a very reasonable start. There's mm-hmm. another player on this offense that I think is a good start, but maybe not so reasonable. And I need to know if I'm totally and completely insane. All right, let's hear it. Rashid Shahid, wide receiver. Uh, 2022 undrafted free agent out of the the last year's class. Now, hear me out, right? So ran the third most routes, or sorry, fourth most routes on the team in week one. He was targeted uh, on a whopping 24% of those routes run, including three targets of 20 or more air yards. He was Derek Carr's favorite deep threat, and he's been efficient, uh, averaged 3.56 yards per route run that ranked third among wide receivers in week one, averaged 17.8 yards per reception, a literal pass, a literal perfect passer rating when targeted, um, which like all of those efficiency metrics actually, you know, mirrored what he did as a rookie pretty well. Like, and I kind of thought to myself heading into 2023 that, that he just had like, that was just like a, a colossal outlier, mm-hmm. right? But he performed. And I think if you're in a position where 
Uh, you know, you need some production here. I think you could do a lot worse than Shahid against uh, the Panthers who like didn't, didn't allow much in week one, but like last year, uh, you know, they ranked fourth in fantasy points allowed to opposing wide receivers. And I don't think they got that much better. Um, you know, it just so happened that the Falcons only targeted wide receivers five times in the season opener. Like don't let the fantasy stats yeah. allowed skew you here. I do think Shahid could be a really nice play. And if you're not brave enough in season long leagues, DFS, am I crazy? So, okay. So I don't think you're crazy because I do like Rashid Shahid and I think he's a, a good option for, for the rest of the season, but I'm just kind of looking at like, I guess matchup wise, I, I didn't love the matchup against the Panthers here. Just them being more of like a zone heavy coverage team. Uh, they, I th- think they were top five in the league in zone coverages in the first week of the season where Shahid more effective against one-on-one man coverage as that deep threat. So he's probably one that I'm just cautious about this week where I, I, I love Olave. I love Michael Thomas this week, but because I don't think the Carolina Panthers coverage unit is is so scary that you have to avoid these guys. I just worry like with Shahid being maybe more of that kind of, you know, a boom bust type production um, that this could be one of those weeks with the lower production floor. But you're right. The, the the target rate is all there. The the performance is there. He He's a great player. I just worry that the Panthers defense is going to be able to kind of focus on him a little bit more playing a little bit more zone and, and having a guy over the top versus kind of the one-on-one coverage that he, he was seeing in a little bit more in week one against, uh, against the Titans, if that makes sense. That is totally fair. Um, on the Carolina Panthers side of the ball, is there anybody worth playing? Like Miles Sanders was outplayed by Chuba Hubbard yeah. in week one. And I would not be surprised if we saw Chuba Hubbard get a little bit more work. But I don't like I don't love this matchup for Hayden Hurst. Uh, the The Saints have been, you know, pretty uh, like just generally a shutdown defense when it comes mm-hmm. to fantasy tight ends. Um, don't you, you don't love that. I, I don't want to start Bryce Young. I don't want to start my like there's not a single player on this team that I think I'm really <laughs> looking to start here on Monday Night Football. No, no, I'm with you. Bryce Young had a a lot of struggles in week one to the point where I'm avoiding the passing game as well. Even Hayden Hurst, like I I know he he paid off as a streamer last week. He finished his tight end too, but the usage wasn't really ideal. I think we could see some regression there for him um, in week two. It was the touchdown that saved his day. Exactly right. He played only 53% of the offensive snap. So didn't love that from Hurst and and Sanders. I mean, I know he was coming off injury, so maybe that's why he wasn't as effective as Hubbard, but it's still, I think Hubbard did look better, like you said, and could potentially eat into those touches. So I'm, yeah, I'm out on the Panthers offense this week. Uh, nope. Yeah. Nope. I don't feel like sweating that um, situation <laughs> on Monday night football in prime time. I would be, I don't- uh, I don't need this kind of stress in my life. No, like I, no. <laughs> I do not need Carolina Panthers on my fantasy rosters. I, no. you know, I, I've been bullish about, you know, Hayden Hurst. Like I said, um, this is not the matchup to be bullish on, right. on any of these guys. Absolutely not. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> All right. Let's go to Monday night football. Part two, last game of the week, Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kate, um let's start with the Steelers you you got the, the, the terrible yeah Let, let's get it out of the way here because man uh it was a struggle in week one and it could potentially be a struggle in week two so what are you looking for here from the Steelers uh, against the Browns 
the interesting thing, like I, I, I'm, I mean, as a Steelers fan, I'm really hoping that was a huge anomaly. Yeah. I want to see this team get back to the run a little bit. Um, saw a really nice explosive run from Najee Harris, mm -hmm. a couple of carries, like even though the snap counts, um, you know, favored, uh, or was, were pretty fairly even, like, you know, we saw Najee Harris get six attempts, uh, 31 rushing yards, 5.2 yards per attempt. Um, I think that this is going to be one of these slower scoring games. Like it, this isn't going to be a, a powerhouse, um, matchup. And I, I think the Steelers defense, like this is, is definitely going to be an interesting week, uh, particularly given the absence of Cam Hayward, who's been the team's top graded rush defender, mm -hmm. um, over the last three years, like there, there has been, um, no, no defensive player that has been as instrumental in stopping the run as Cam Hayward. And they haven't even always been successful at that. So like, I have a feeling it's going to be Nick Chubb, uh, running all over this Pittsburgh Steelers offense or defense. I have a feeling it's going to be Jerome Ford um, also running yeah. all over this, this defense uh, saw 15 rush attempts in week one, like genuinely think that Jerome Ford could be a, a surprise viable flex play if you're in desperation. Um, but you know, on the Pittsburgh side of the ball, they're going to need to establish some sort of run I still think Najee Harris is the guy that we're going to see, you know, more on first and second downs. Um, but I think given the fact that this team literally totaled nine rush attempts from the running back core, I think we're going to see probably a more concerted effort to get that going. Yeah. Um, the game just spiraled out of control so quickly that I don't really think we got to evaluate anybody. Um, but, you know, unfortunately also for the Steelers, we have Deontay Johnson who's out. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, it, I think, George Pickens is a fine start. I think probably the the workload that we would the target share that we would usually see from Deontay Johnson is just kind of going to be sprinkled among the remaining players. Might see uh you know more involvement from Calvin Austin, um, second year wide receiver, uh, you know, on the smaller side, but they seem to be um, you know, going to him over and over again. But like, if you don't have to start your Pittsburgh Steelers, I don't <laughs> want to start my Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think, you know, I, I think there has to be more of an emphasis for their run game um, in this one, because especially with Deontay Johnson out and, and the way that that offensive line looked last week, they ranked dead last in run in pass blocking grade last week, uh, Pittsburgh did. And, People, I think, might be tempted to start George Pickens. I'd, I'd just be a little bit hesitant myself because of the matchup. We know the Browns' defensive line was legit. They had the fastest time to pressure in Week One as well, um, which led the uh, which led to a third highest quick pressure rate in the league. Um, Pickens and Allen Robinson ran the most routes for the team in Week One on pressure dropbacks, and Pickens only saw three targets on those routes compared to Robinson's five and even Jalen Warren got four. So ended up with just two catches for 18 yards on those pressure dropbacks. So I'm really staying away from the Pittsburgh Steelers um, passing offense in this game. I Najee's probably the one that I think I would be okay with starting because I do believe that they would have to, uh, to run the ball a little bit more, but again, not, not an ideal matchup uh, against a very good Browns defense. Um, at least that's what they showed in week one. So how about on the Brown side? Anybody there? I know Amari Cooper dealing with an injury a little bit uh, and, and only played, I think, 62% of the snaps. And um, 
Elijah Moore was mixed in there, Donovan Peoples-Jones, anybody other than Nick Chubb on the Brown side that you'd want to play in this one? Elijah Moore is is kind of interesting to me, especially, you know, given the fact that these Steelers kind of struggled to, you know, stop, you know, some of the, the yards after the catch historically, like that's been a big, big problem area. Um, you know, I, I don't know that this defensive unit has that problem solved. Um, I think he could be in an interesting spot, um, you know, to, to play some sort of role, especially if Amari Cooper is banged up. I think he's a fine mm-hmm. flex play, but not, not necessarily looking to target anybody in this offense outside of Nick Chubb, of course, um, just given the fact that this is probably going to be like a, a low scoring game, probably going to be more, um, hopefully going to be more of a defensive matchup, especially on the Steelers side of the, the equation here. Um, but not, this isn't going to be one of these matchups that you're going to be like excited to do your, your showdown lineups in. Cause yeah. I, I'm probably, uh, in, in my showdown lineups for this game, it's probably going to be Steelers defense, Browns defense, and you know, the, the kickers probably. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Are we allowed fun. to put IDPs in the, in the showdown lineup? <laughs> Can we put miles Garrett and TJ Watt uh, <laughs> in there? Cause yeah, it's good that those are going to be the guys to watch. Cause I, I do think it's going to be one of those defensive battles more than anything. So that's going to make, that's going to do it. Um, wrapping up another episode of the PFF fantasy podcast. Thank you to everyone who, who tuned into this to listen. It was a big episode, obviously after we get all that data from week one um, to kind of break it all down here for week two. So thank you for listening. Thank you to Kate for joining me and helping me to break it all down. Um, Kate, before you go, please let the people know what you have up on PFF.com this week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, debuted two new columns for PFF, which I'm super, super excited about going to be coming out every week. Um, uh, we've got the fantasy football rushing report. Uh, also got time to panic or week one antics uh, mm-hmm. where I break down some, some, fantasy stats that maybe were a little bit surprising from week one and whether or not we should buy into them moving forward. Um, and then, you know, got a, a last second waiver claim column coming out on Friday. So be sure to check that out. If you are one of these rosters that is just kind of hanging around waiting for injury news, uh, if you find yourself in case of emergency, um, I've, I've got you covered. Nice. Love that. That's great stuff. Um, be sure to check all that out. Uh, as for me, it, IDP rankings, we got the IDP fantasy report up on the website as well. Um, also debuting the wide receiver man and zone performance against um, those coverages report. It, it, that's up on the website. Now it's free to check out looking at how um, each wide receiver has performed throughout the season against specific uh, defensive coverages. And then who their opponents are that week, what their defensive coverage tendencies have been. So I'm looking to try to find some matchups to target in there. And then the O-line, D-line matchups to target and avoid will also be out on Friday as well. Uh, Other than that, Nate and I will be back Sunday night uh, again, I think, to recap week two. And thank you all again for tuning in. Until next time, peace out.